previously on the Sports Refuge Podcast. I guarantee you if the Green Book wins, yeah. two or three years from now, we're going to be like, that was really dumb. From Delaware, almost live, this is the Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. Welcome to this week's episode of the Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the show where I talk with guests about their connection to sports. I'm your host, Earl Holland, and I'm back after a brief hiatus. This week, I'm doing something a little bit different as I'm presenting a special episode that I recorded last Christmas on location at my family home in Newark, Maryland. In this episode, which will feature cameo appearances by various members of my family, we'll talk about a number of topics, including the NBA past and present, the NFL, Major League Baseball, and much more. What will also make this episode slightly different is that this will be played in segments with me introducing each segment. We start off with a brief introduction with a few of my family members, some of them you may know, and others that you'll get to know. Merry Christmas. I am here at my hometown in Newark, Maryland, at home at my mom's house with nearly all my family. My guest is, of course, Thoran Dennis. You know him. He's probably been one of the most popular episodes downloaded. Hello. And Chaldre Johnson, my nephew. How you guys doing? My name is Chaldre. I'm just here for Christmas holidays. Just chilling. <laughs> hey, y'all. It's Thoran. I am stuffed. I am feeling really good. Got a fan around. It's been a lovely day so far. Got some hoops in with Dad. Dad, you want to say hi? You're in the background. I'd like some Merry Christmas. God bless everyone. Hey, that's Randy Dennis. Yeah, that's Michael Randy. It's pretty much in this house, nearly everybody in this house has played a sport at one point. It doesn't matter. Nieces, nephews, sisters, brothers, and we got like three different generations of people here. But We really do. This episode, I got four. Some of these kids haven't even played sports and yet they're going to be playing. I have. My niece, Regina Welch, she's 10 years old. She plays tennis. So time flies. And indeed, they do. We head into this next clip going into my original intent for this episode, and we get to meet a few more of my family members, and we talk about what makes this time of year so important. It is the holidays. This is a time of year where people get together with families if they can, and you try not to let the distance between you and family members separate you. So I think the holidays are a really good time of the year to do this. And we got everybody here. Someone's played a sport somewhere. Someone will be playing a sport in the future. My brother-in-law, Earl Oney, he is here. And my aunt, Helen Stallings. Yeah. tennis player, basketball, basketball player. Our family played basketball, played baseball, played softball, played football. Field hockey. Field hockey. Tennis. Hey, no, that's wrong. That's if wrong. golf is a sport, then field hockey is a sport. Field hockey, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Soccer, yeah. Sharif plays soccer too. Ran track and, and field. And the boys, the twins, your, your little nephews is in practice for basketball right okay. now. Okay. Showing up. You have everybody in the background, kids everywhere, everyone's having a good time, eating food. This is radio! My sister Eureka Dennis plays softball. She is waving to the audience. She, that's her way of saying hello. So you got some NBA games today. We're talking hoops on, on, on the way here. And yeah, and the thing is, I love the NBA. Growing up, the NBA was my favorite thing. And now I just don't miss it. And sometimes I don't even care for it. And it's sad because I used to love it. Well, do you believe because the, the players change? 
I mean, because years ago you had Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, you had a lot of players years that were ago. so effective years ago. So you think the players are still strong today, the young boys? You know, that's a good question. I, I don't think it's the players changing because it was maybe like five years ago it was still interesting. Half of these guys are still here. I just think now it just seems like maybe the super team era where everybody changing teams wants to be buddy-buddy, doesn't want to face each other. Uh, the game is just want to compete. I feel like I feel like it's always been super teams, but the rules are different. Especially the main thing, hand checking, I think is the most. Yeah. Uh, some of these players, you got LeBron James, six eight. Two at two fifty probably. So like Carl, like Carmelone size. If you yeah, touch him, it's an automatic foul. Those guys is they're very hard to guard. But you the, got no hand check. But the hand checking rule, they got rid of that like twenty years ago because they used to hand check Jordan, Jordan all the time. Yeah. And yeah. I don't I don't ever want to make it seem like oh this generation's better than the past generation because game changes. Like big guys are shooting three pointers now, and I'm used to that. If Shaq or Kareem were told to shoot three pointers, they probably would have learned it. But it wasn't a point at that time. I honestly think Shaq's impact still. I feel like his game will not change in this era because how dominant he was. He he was a special case. He's, yeah, he's special type. Yeah, he's I feel like there, there are those players who don't have to change their game to this era. Shot. But you ever check Shaq's foul shot out? They had to work with him for years to learn how to shoot the foul shot because he couldn't hold the ball with two hands. He always used to shoot it like this here. Yeah, you remember? Was, uh, you remember pre Markel Fox. But his shot was always very consistent in clutch moments. There was that discussion where, you know, if it was an unimportant thing, he will make his free throws when it counted. But you think about it, a lot of the centers from 20 years ago, Ewing, Olajuwon, Zoe, they would eat all these guys up now. Maybe not Embiid, but everybody else. There is no impact center anymore. Everybody's sort of. It's really no true bigs anymore, other than Embiid. You might Jokic is another guy who's kind of big, but other than that, most guys are. They don't really have that bulk to them. They mostly depend on the three. What about Hassan Whiteside? Hassan Whiteside's pure, but a lot, but every big man is working on a three pointer now. If you look at Marcus Saul, Marcus Saul was a pure post. Brooke Lopez, pure post, and now they're shooting deeper than Steph Curry. Some things. Brooke Lopez, five years ago, you never thought. We'll score 30 points off of straight three-pointers. True. No posts, nothing. Yeah. Straight threes. Seriously, the first thing that came to mind is straight, yeah. Because he's supposed to be a rebounder, a post presence, you know, rim protector. Yeah. And now you see guys like Dwight Howard doing this stuff too, and it's like, yeah. Serge Ibaka, another one. He's deep. You know, I haven't seen him in the, in the uh, He's hurt. He's had butt, butt soreness. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on yeah. that too. <laughs> there's a lot of other stuff, and... I've never been a fan of Dwight Howard. He's never been one of my favorite players. Really? Yes. I may be something about his personality rubbed me the wrong way. He seems like he never wants to take responsibility. No, because Shaq was goofy and smiling and all that stuff. And everybody loved him. Maybe it's the fact that he didn't take accountability for like that one finals they lost to the Lakers, where all of a sudden like we think Courtney Lee missed that shot and all this other stuff. And it just snowballed from there. And he might have been the reason that everybody started being anti-LeBron when LeBron didn't shake his hand. <laughs> the, the White Howard, when he came to the NBA, he scored a lot of points. But you know what? When it comes for accountability, he couldn't take it. I really think that league couldn't take it. You're right. I agree. And then, of course, he drew Shaq's iron. You know, everybody loves Shaq. They'll yeah. side with Shaq before. They'll side with anybody else. Just, Only Shaq can make guys like JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard look like clowns. <laughs> yeah. On a nightly basis, yeah. with Shaq in the pool. <laughs> As a Lakers fan, though, like that one season, Dwight Howard, I feel like we had so much high expectations of that. I mean, he did average 18 and 12, 
with a shoulder injury that required surgery, but instead he kept playing for the season. So I do feel like we expected more, but he it was a lot that he didn't do, like not run across, not run up and down the floor. But as far as production, stat-wise, his numbers were still the same for I mean, those years consistently before he was with. South for playing with Kobe. But yeah, Kobe made him look like Kwame Brown. He punked him out like he was Kwame Brown. He punked out Kwame Brown like Jordan punked out Kwame Brown. And when Dwight Howard is punked out like he's Kwame Brown, that was the beginning of the end. Then he went yeah. to Houston, and he was going to be the focal point, and then Harden comes. He has some good runs in Houston, though. Yeah, he and then... On, uh, at one playoffs, which was like uh, three or four seasons ago. Was that the one where they stormed back to beat the Clippers? That team. He reminded me of a Blake Griffin kind of like, had a lot of athleticism, right? But like even Blake Griffin said it himself, later on in the years, he had to learn how to actually play the game with moves and stuff because he used to rely on his athleticism to get the job done for him. And Dwight Howard, as big as he was, can average a 20 and 10 there, but now the way the game is now, you need more than just being big. I feel like he stopped working on his game, honestly, over years. And I want to run the one and the four, it seems like. Look at someone like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Even back when he was a rookie in Milwaukee, of course in college he was a guy dunking all the time and everything like that, but once he got into the league, he was a good post player, he was a good rebounder, great outlet passer, used the skyhook a lot, wasn't a full dunker all the time. It, he defined his game, and then as he got older, and as other centers came in, like mm -hmm. Moses Malone yeah. and uh, Robert Parrish, he had to put some weight on because he was a small guy. He was already like 250. Yeah. He's 7'2. Yeah. And he had to put the weight on to deal with the wear and tear was going on in the post. Shaq was another guy, but. <laughs> Shaq's weight game was something different. Yeah. But he also started getting triple teamed constantly. Like, it gained a lot. Well, multiple reasons <laughs> but I do personally I think I feel like part of it was because he was best life because he used to do live dribbles he used to run the floor he used yeah, to run the all-star game all-star game yeah. like 94 he Jordan he was playing point guard he ran the length of the floor for the yep. East and took it all the way coast to coast and yeah. it's like man it's just I understand sometimes where Kobe can say he felt like Shaq didn't play all the way up to his potential oh, definitely especially the way Kobe's a workhorse I mean like he, I mean I feel like it's Shaq was definitely more media popular, even though Kobe was doing music videos and stuff like that, but Kobe was another guy who would still be out in the gym morning, day, working, 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 but it was obvious after a while Shaq would become more focused not fully on just all basketball. And Thrain, you wrote your blog post that you can find on the Sports Refuge about Kobe Bryant. He was your generation's Jordan. He was. And, and he basically tailored his game. You could listen, everything sound the same. Same frame, same height, same build. You listen to his interview, close your eyes, you hear Michael Jordan. Mannerisms. Yeah, you hear yeah, you hear Michael Jordan. And and there's nothing wrong with that. The cool oh, thing God. is like, hey, but I'll say this. Kobe cost the Lakers that NBA finals against the Pistons. He wanted to play hero ball when Shaq couldn't be stopped by Detroit. Well, that was a, that, that was the end of an era, though. That was also the year where they were dealing with a lot of injuries. Plus, because plus, Kobe, well, Kobe was dealing with his rape, his rape charge on that year, too. Z, Pistons, well, they had a better team. I think the Lakers were more talented, but the Pistons, I think they had a better game plan. But offensively, yeah, because yeah, Larry Brown was out of coach. Yeah, yeah, he probably, he won't, they won't play him. He couldn't, he couldn't, couldn't do it with Philly. Even he didn't have, even he'd have the piece. He didn't even have the pieces. He had the piece, but no, but no. Yeah, supplementary. A piece. He yeah. had the piece, but no supplementary help. Yeah. Everybody else was hurt. Everybody else, as uh, previous guests that I had no one out will say, there was no two to Iverson's one. 
<laughs> there was no two. Oh, you, yeah. had, you had an age. You had an age Matumbo who was just there for defense. Aaron McKee. Aaron McKee. You had you had Weber who his knee was bad by that time. Man, and I remember Chris Weber in Washington. Oh my God, that is <laughs> the worst trade ever. Yeah. Him, Jawan Howard. How long ago was that? That was about 25 years ago. Man, because I was 11 when he went to and he got traded to Washington for Golden State. Man, and then I was about 15 when he got traded to Sacramento. It's a sack town. Oh man, I was man. That was a year I just stopped watching them for a while. And it was bad enough that man, every team that I follow was bad. Well, actually, the Redskins were decent. As we head into this third segment, we get into the NFL and namely my favorite team, the Washington Redskins, who have continued their cratering from a 6-3 and three mark to a 7-9 and nine final record. As you'll be able to tell in these comments, I was far from pleased by their play down the stretch. Speaking of the skins, man, screw that team. At this point, I am, I am here. It is such a mess. It was like, it was like you told me before. They'll somehow backpedal their way. Just, just, well, they were, they were backpedaling their way into the playoffs. Yeah, now, I, I don't know what's the, going on. And then it's you heard about DJ Swearinger. He got cut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because he criticized the defensive coordinator. To the, media to the media after the game against the Titans. Yep, and they didn't. They said they told but, him basically about yeah. keeping their stuff in private. Which is well, and the so, problem is, and that's the situation on the coach because Jay Gruden allowed a whole bunch of other stuff to slip out. Mm -hmm. Swerner kept talking the whole time about how the players, some of the young guys, weren't playing Braxton. to their potential, weren't weren't they practicing hard. The rest of the teams weren't practicing hard mm -hmm. and things like that. And then when Gruden had an extra practice, I think it was right maybe before the Titans game, people complained. No, it was a Eagles, the first Eagles game or mm -hmm. Giants game. They were complaining, and then they got the door blown off of them. At this point. And it's dumb enough because you can't cut them because now that's a cap penalty. And now you don't have any money because the trade you made for the quarterback who broke his leg, who may not play again, $20 million in the cap oh. for the next two years. And also, think about I mean, this. You probably get cap on the real cheap by, by now. Yeah, Josh Johnson I for mean, QB, I guess. But think about this. Look at New England. Look at Belichick. How he runs that. Charlie Nobody Rebels. talks to to the media. After that's that. true, though. And you know what? Well, not like that. Like I said, Belichick basically tells him, you know, you use generic terms. Don't, or so, I don't want to say you use, tell them you use generic terms. But basically, you get bland quotes, nothing salacious. I um, mean, we're Cincinnati. Yeah. And you know where he learned that? When he was in Cleveland. Because yeah. they were surrounded by the whole thing because word it came out that the Browns were moving to Baltimore. And then he had to deal with all this crap about, hey, how do you guys are focusing with the move, announcement of the move and this stuff. And if you ever watch, and this is for everybody out here, and you guys do it when you go on YouTube, look for Football Life Cleveland 95. Uh -huh. There is an hour-long special where they talk about that, what's going on at that time. Uh -huh. Belichick's staff, half of the guys who are GMs and coaches and stuff now, they were part of Belichick's staff. Uh -huh. And they had to deal with the team, the rumor that the team moving and all this other stuff. And they didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. So that's when Belichick got this job after two times being named head coach of the New York Jets and never taking the job. When he got the job in New England, he basically becomes the hoodie who mumbles and tosses out, we're yeah. on to Cincinnati next week. Yeah, that's how he do it. When you, a good coach learns. Jay Gruden is an awful coach because you didn't cut a guy who sent a DM about 
screw the fans who also lied about it and said his cousin sent the message and then fessed up to it. You let him stay. You got a DJ swearing who talks about how the defensive coordinator let a backup quarterback beat you. You cut him. I mean, to be and he fair. led the team in interceptions. And he led the team in passes defense. So yeah, who's the DM? Mason Foster, the middle linebacker. Oh, well, to be fair, and he's slow. He gets beat by tight ends. And probably half the team were, they were probably DMing that too, especially that somehow. But his got caught. Yeah. So that doesn't matter. But so hey, guess what? Get oh, and there's another thing. DJ Swearinger talked about how his teammates voted him as defensive captain, and Gruden overruled it and named Mason Foster the same person who sent that DM later on in the season. Wow. Named him captain. Yeah, At this point, franchise. I can't cheer for these guys. I would say I it's, hope they scorch earth like the Orioles and It's something every year. I hope. As an Orioles fan, I hope they would the Redskins would just scorch earth and burn it down like the Orioles did, and the Orioles will get to that a little bit later. So, but yeah. the fact is, the same owner is going to be in charge for probably another 20 years, barring some major health issue, and it's not like his kids are running the team, yeah. because probably somebody with some sense would have probably fixed this issue. Right, that's right. So that team's a mess, and then they backed their way in the playoffs. I would not have felt right cheering for them because they're a bunch of losers. I mean, the Ruben Foster thing, but if you're a GM and saying for years, hey, we're winning off the field. We're doing all this stuff, doing the community. Bringing in Reuben Foster means you're not winning on the field anymore or winning off the field either. And it's a mess. One thing that would have made me suffer my ties with that team is if they moved their games to Virginia because I wouldn't go to any of those games anymore because I'm not driving to the armpit of Virginia. Sorry, people who uh, live in Virginia near Richmond. I'm not driving to the armpit of Virginia. Nice. Yeah. good music there. Probably. I wouldn't drive there to go see a football game. No. I would rather take the Metro into uh, RFK or whatever yeah, definitely. and go there. But I'm not going to drive and deal with all that crap. Yeah. It's not worth it for a team that isn't sometimes worth all the stress and dealing with it as a fan. Mm. And for me, that was enough time talking about the Redskins as I made the transition to discussing the Orioles and my nephew Chaudre's favorite team, the Boston Red Sox. The Orioles had a crappy season. Guess what? They decided time was up. Everybody tried to hedge their bets and think, let's go all in one last time, and it failed spectacularly. Things yeah. happen like that. You can't tell me. Like I said, you're a Red Sox fan, Chaldrick. Oh, yeah. You know, look what happened with Bobby Valentine. They fired Terry Francona to put Bobby Congrats, Valentine in. That team was basically a game away from the playoffs the year before, and then they finished in last place. Yeah, I mean, it's... We and that's definitely constant with Red Sox coaches. We'll get rid of one just because one bad season, regardless of the past season. And just luckily, we somehow managed to have a great season with the rookie coach. It's, I don't know. It's. I mean, we also have a lot of good free agent pickups, a lot of good draft picks, and we got good players. I mean, we just. Uh, I think uh, Nathan Evaldi uh, signed a free sign. The long man of that playoff series. At that moment, we take a brief pause for some family business before we return now with my brother, Edward Holland, in tow. We pick up where we left off talking about the NFL and even making predictions about who would be matching up in the Super Bowl. Were we right? You have to listen to find out. So, yeah, we were just talking about the Redskins at one point, how dysfunctional they were, and then you look at sometimes uh, management can be an issue, but then you look, we use an example of the Red Sox, how that one year, 2012, when Bobby Valentine was the manager, they were a game away the year before from making the playoffs, and then they finished in last place. Then they fired him, and they brought in Farrell, and then they turned around and won a World Series after that. So you never know what things can happen 
I think a really good team. It all depends on what happens. As fans of particular teams in various sports, we see what happens when either leadership or management goes awry. You, Thoran, being a Packers fan, me being a Redskins and Wizards fan, and Chaldray, you being a Colts fan, you've seen, and a Red Sox fan, you've seen them at. Oh, yeah, and Eddie being a 49ers fan. the past two years, man. Eddie joining the uh, conversation Jimmy, as well. Jimmy G with B knees. We had a great season. We finished season uh, eight and eight, and after that, you know, it was a bad six years for me. You know, I can't complain about my Red Sox, you know, because we have been a lot, we've been way more successful. Yeah, um, you know. My Colts, Probably came around this is this time. is a good year. You know why? Andrew's looking at it. And he ain't got that neck beard. That's why. It is. The neck beard's going. <laughs> Sergeant Andrew Luck. <laughs> Andrew Luck, man. I was telling everybody. Have you seen the Sergeant Andrew Luck Twitter? That like they do like an old school uh, Civil War thing. <laughs> they gave him the yeah, yeah, the cipher. Yeah, he looked. Boy, he he's looked. like, dear dearest mother, uh, we have faced the the, the Cowboys <laughs> of Dallas. We ended up being triumphant. <laughs> we had multiple rations and munitions remaining and stuff like that. And it that's a very weird stuff, but people are doing it, and it's cool. They're having fun with it. But yeah, like I said, the Colts understand because they were reportedly running a couple times because they hedged all their bets on the quarterback twice. Twice. And yeah. what happens when they get hurt for the whole season? They suck. And then they just sort of it proves a point where you build your team around one player. This isn't the NBA where you can do that. Yes. It's not like the Lakers who can get LeBron and all of a sudden they're actually relevant again. And we never really had a strong offense and defense at the same time. Because that's the reason we never could beat New England. Yeah, we might could score with them, oh, that, but... You know, they're and, great up there. Yeah, they're great, but also, I mean, we could score, but the defense was never there. We Garrett Blunt single-handedly beat us ourselves off the running game. So if you can't even stop the running game, then the passing game is already there. And I look at it, Baltimore has punched New England in the mouth twice in New England, and Baltimore can do it even with their inconsistent quarterback. Baltimore, because yeah, you know, Flacco, right? if you have a defense, I feel like the defense can make up for the offense. The defense definitely can make up for the offense's mistakes. And the Colts don't have a defense to make up for offensive mistakes. The hottest team in the NFL right now, I'm not saying the Saints. The Saints, they are great on offense. It's terrible. Saints are the AFC versus the Kansas City Chiefs. This is yeah. the Chiefs now. Defense is terrible. Offense is great, but guess what? You have to score more than them. Now, if the Chiefs lose this weekend and New England wins, guess what? Nobody's going to New England. No one's going to Foxborough and beating them. New England is going to the Super Bowl. You don't, think you don't think Baltimore could go in there and beat them? No. Baltimore. You don't think so? I think Baltimore could. Baltimore, better defense. So. That defense, man. And, and like I said, yeah. even even and if Baltimore gets one of the he's I mean he's still but Lamar Jackson. If, if they tailor an offensive game again around Lamar Jackson that New England can't be, yeah, that's what it is. Really, I think you know I think they could do to New England what Kaepernick did to us eight like years ago. Defense ain't had to do with it. Guess what? Who got experience? Baltimore's a young team. New England. Guess what? When it comes to playoff time, it's crunch time. And guess what? They will the playoff and playoff and regular season are two different. 
Guess what? When playoff come, Bill Belichick brings defense. He's gonna bring a scheme that's gonna fool Lamar Jackson. I guarantee it. This is probably the time the Ravens should sign Eli Manning. This and is then true. If Ravens sign Eli Manning, they won't be in perfect form to find a way to beat New England because he beats New England. Hey, Ravens still got John Harbaugh and he's got two sizzle. But if New England, and I forget about Terrell Suggs still, still so crazy. Regardless, New England's gonna have a New England's gonna have playoff games. Yeah. They're never seriously in. So whoever they face, they face the second highest. We now head into our final segment where we give our sports predictions for 2019. We've been talking about NBA, we've been talking about NFL, we talked a little bit about baseball. It being the holiday season, yeah, I'm not going to ask you guys what you're thankful for because that's not the right holiday. So, as you guys being sports fans, what are your expectations uh, for the new year for some of your teams in 2019? Mm-hmm. So Andre, what's up you? Where to begin? So, I'm gonna talk about these Lakers. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I do not think that we should trade for Anthony Davis. I feel like we were giving up way too much for Andy Davis. Don't get me wrong, Andy Davis is a Hall of Fame player. But they're gonna want at least Kuzma, Lonzo, probably want Caldwell Pope. Only probably want Josh Hall. We can keep all of them. We have a solid team around LeBron who just needs experience. But I mean, I also understand where if you can get Andy Davis, you can get people to come. But that's going to be a high ass salary. Tell them we'll be there. Realistically, I don't personally. I don't think we have a chance to win in that division this year. No, that's awful. I do not think we should because he is he's a ball. He's a chemistry killer and he's, he's a, a ball stopper. And it, that's great if you're on defense, but that ain't great if you're on offense. Yeah. Because as soon as you get the look, look, you can have a you can have a solid offense passion as soon as he gets to mellow. It's that mentality. Because he's not he's not the star he was ten years ago. He's not a power forward. I think it's they have a running power forward. He's always he's played small forward, yeah. and he's always switched on the shooting guard. Meanwhile, like when they was all in the playoffs, he was always guarding Kobe, a shooting guard. Team actually look out for me. Be in LA Clippers. Clippers are solid. Very Rivers. They said if you read the report, see Austin. This is what I do without you. They said that um. The owner always go to the game with Wilder. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wilder. But I'm sorry. So I feel like as long as Katie stays with Golden State. Oh, what is this, boy? Merry Christmas. And with that, we wrap up this episode of the Sports Refuge Podcast. I'd like to thank my family for making an appearance on this show. Next week, my guest will be Ricky Pollitt, a sports reporter with the Daily Times in Salisbury, Maryland. We'll discuss how he got into journalism, what it's like being a one-man sports department in a world of dwindling numbers in newsrooms, and what it's like being the son of a politician. You can catch new episodes of the Sports Refuge Podcast weekly on several outlets including Apple iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to send us your comments and to subscribe. You can also email us your comments at thesportsrefuge at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a great week. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge Podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Sports Refuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports Blog, and on Facebook at The Sports Refuge Sports Blog. Thank you for listening.